0: Evil doctors, invasive surgeries, the demented screams of the criminally insane. Your family will experience all of this and more during your night of scary, good fun at Louisville's newest nightmare. The American Horrorplex. Open every weekend this Halloween season right off of Exit 3 on I-64. For more details, visit our Facebook page or AmericanHorrorplex.com.
1: Sydney Hampton, a Lowell, Kentucky based drag queen, horror hostess, and most recently the host and editor of Really Queer, an LGBTQ movie podcast. Each episode, I'm joined by a guest who co hosts with me as we discuss the queer themes, tropes, and the characterizations, for better or worse, of some of our most beloved films, from masterpieces to cringy, guilty pleasures. And today, I'm joined by local legend, Jaja Zha, Zha, hey, Zha, Zha Hey, Jaja. Hi, Sydney. How are you, darling? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Doing good. Feeling stunning. Excellent. You look great. Thank you. This Do is you, new hair. It is. It's new hair. Are you enjoying the the, the immaculate studio? Oh yes. 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 This is
0: the most professional recording setup I have ever been inside. Actually.
1: Truly, the walls are the walls are completely uh, soundproof, and we've got multiple mics for everybody. Um, there's a, a, a water fountain, and a cheese fountain, and a chocolate fountain, and a popper fountain. So. A little bit of everything for everybody. One-stop shopping. That's the tea. So today we're talking about the uh, 2003, I believe it was. Um, I don't really know how to categorize this film as far as, like, genre goes. Um, I would say, I guess, it's most most akin to, like, The Valley of the Dolls, um, kind of very campy and over-the-top and kind of uh, terrible at heart. of film even though this isn't a terrible film it's like it knows exactly what it is um
0: it's not concerned
1: with great filmmaking exactly yeah and the like valley of the dolls was a very um mm, i don't know that it knew what it was oh my god not this (laughs) (laughs) studio i'm leaving it in i don't give a fuck whatever it's fine um lost my train of thought um, it's, it, it kind of, it, it has like references to these, these movies that gay people love because they're terrible. Right. Um, which I, I think is why we enjoy it so much. Cause it's just kind of like a culmination of all of these like themes and, uh, story arcs and stuff. So I feel like
0: movies like this are why I don't fully ever use the word camp correctly. Because when I think of camp, I think of this, like the, like this the, is camp. For sure. Yeah, this is absolutely But camp. like camp can encompass such like a broad yeah. variety of things that like the more, I don't want to say more serious elements of camp, but the less like over the top screaming wig yeah. lash
1: camp, like kind of gets lost on me because I just... This is not a subtle version of camp. No. So this is a I this is something that I, I've actually talked about a lot on here is that um, the meaning of camp means like some people have like a very like strict definition, especially whenever it came Met Gala time, um, everybody suddenly was a, an expert on camp. And I was like, I don't think it's, I mean, I, there you can look at something like a pretty gown and be like, that's not camp. And it'd be a fair and valid critique. Um, but sometimes people, I think people think that it has to be like super large and like, you basically have to have like a Gaga meat dress. It's going to be so outlandish and wild, but you look at Varla Jean Merman, um, and her drag is camp. But she doesn't look... I mean, she looks camp to me because I know what camp is. But... You're an expert. I'm an expert. I am one of those experts that could have been talking during the Met Gala thing. But I'll let y'all, I'll let y'all all be stupid on Twitter. It's fine. Um, but she has, like, pretty basic looks. Not to say that she's basic. If she ever listens to this, I love you. But, <laughs> like, she doesn't have, like, big over-the-top costumes. It's, it's like, cocktail dresses and, like... Um, like stretch fabric a-line dresses. She just right. her character is so camp that it reads camp, and that's essentially what this movie is. It's also a parody of sorts, which I think most parodies are camp. Just I think like inherently, yeah. that
0: sounds like a reasonable thing
1: to say. <laughs> yeah. I would say like Scary Movie one and two were camp. Everything after that, I don't think was really camp, but it was Scary Movie one and two were camp. I Problematic think but camp.
0: parody and satire come very close to being reductive like like what makes them so good is how they straddle that line of reductiveness and unfortunately for the scary movie franchise they just kind of tipped over into
1: that real fast yeah the third one the third one was like the end of like the end times for the the franchise they went on to make like i think four more i think they got up to six i think that one was the one with ashley tisdale or somebody (laughs) was it ashley tisdale i think it was that sounds
0: right i feel like that sounds potentially more entertaining if it's not
1: yeah i mean i, I would still watch it i mean I, I haven't but i would if it was like readily available i'd watch it or simply. was she in
0: like a final destination towards the end like final destination seven or something like that
1: i don't think she was because i feel like we would i feel like if she died in those movies we would we would see that that video pop up on twitter a lot yeah that's fair yeah that's i'm almost fair. positive that she was in a The i feel like she was in a uh scary movie that was a parody of like haunted house uh found footage films like paranormal activity um, interesting i think but i could be wrong um if i am wrong i'm sure people will let me know on that it's so funny that the scary
0: movies operate as like a parody of some of these movies but like you know, like movies like scream and i know what you did last summer were so self-referential to begin mm-hmm. with that they were almost parodies to begin with so it's like this like layer upon layer of True. parody of a
1: parody of a parody
0: and at that point, does it become camp again?
1: I think so. Yeah, because I if you like the way that you just explained that too, with like scream being a parody of sorts, it was like a, not really. I mean, it was a scary movie of its own, like a horror right. movie of its own, but it was still like referential of the movies that that it was uh, built on. Basically, it's like
0: when Al writes an original song that
1: sounds like an existing artist. T okay yeah and that is yeah that beca- I think in itself that becomes camp whether it means to or not <laughs> so I don't think you can get much more camp than not even realizing you're camp yeah who's camp who's, who's camp that doesn't even realize that they're camp <sighs> Jasmine Masters yeah she's camp she don't even she don't even realize it she's like one of those girls who don't even realize that they're funny that's fair Tamisha Shimon camp. what she just did was camp. What, that was camp. I'm not sure if we're allowed to talk about that on the podcast. But, <laughs> um, yeah, that was camp. Um, so the Girls Will Be Girls uh, film, if you guys have not seen it, it is not currently streaming anywhere that I'm aware of. Um, I could not find it anywhere. Yeah, the DVD is available on Amazon um, with some actual good uh, special features including an audio commentary. Um, did you get the The DVD with the menu that's got, like, them talking. That is the cutest menu I've ever seen I honestly
0: might have enjoyed that more than the entire movie because I'd forgotten about it. Yeah. And then, like, the movie finished and it, like, looped back around to starting that and that was hilarious.
1: Yeah. They're just, like, little, like, sketch bits um, where they're all still in character and they're, like, talking above the, like, the menu and then if you go into a menu, there's another bit for each menu. Oh really? Yeah. I
0: have to go watch all of
1: the menus now. It's weird. It's weird that like like it's exciting to think about <laughs> the menu of like a movie. I can't think of another menu that was that was as good as this other than The One Stitch, the original DVD that came out, that had a really good menu. Interesting. And Finding Nemo had a really good menu because you could make an aquarium on your TV, which was awesome. I don't know if I don't know if you were ever into that, but I don't curious. think I
0: ever saw Finding Nemo on DVD. Honestly,
1: <laughs> I think I've either streamed it. Or I remember watching it on VHS. Yeah. Well, the DVD was, um, it was like the, the Lilo and Stitch and Finding Nemo were the first DVDs I ever had. And it was a big deal because it was like, oh my God, the future, um, and the menu, I remember like for the first time seeing menus that reminded me of video games, but they were like so much better. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like it's, it's rare that DVD menus are exciting, but I feel like, I feel like Girls Will Be Girls really hit the nail on the head. I wish more movies would do that. Um, especially comedies yeah. like just have the characters like in front of a green screen and make talk. it more worthwhile
0: to own the physical copy yeah, of it rather
1: than just having to buy it and have it streaming on amazon or whatever
0: yeah i would say like most of the time the only dvds that come into our house are usually like collector's editions things like my husband is very fond of miyazaki films that has been slowly collecting all of the steelbook dvd or blu-rays i guess and like so we have those but yeah. then like i haven't aside from this movie, have not put a physical copy of a DVD inside of anything in a, in long a very time. long time. Yeah. Actually,
1: I think the last one was Hedwig and the Angry Inch, so, just keeping it real gay in here. No, yeah, I have an entire um, section at the top that's just movies that are gay or gay adjacent. Oh, God. Um, and that's not even all of them because I have this this right here that's full of DVDs as well, which you guys can't see it, but I have a, a, a comically large DVD case as well as a wall of DVDs and Useless.
0: So now that you have a space phone
1: in it. your pocket, you don't need to carry all of your CDs in that thing and dangerously
0: flip through them at sixty miles per hour going down the interstate. Yeah.
1: So it just it works. It works here, but I used to have something like that with all of my CDs in it. I'd have like all of the Britneys, all of the Madonnas, and definitely had the in classics. my car. Now I just got the little. I do still have a CD player in my car because I have an auxiliary cable, but sometimes it's just easier and also a throwback to just throwing a CD. And I've got the little, the little thing in the passenger side. Sometimes I'm reaching over as I'm driving and, like, trying to grab the Madonna Ray of Light out of there. But I accidentally pull out the Lindsay Lohan or the scratched-up Selena Gomez Stars Dance. And I'm like, this isn't what I want! <laughs> and then I can't put it back in there, so I don't have to list it anyway.
0: I feel like a, a mixed CD definitely hits different than a playlist sometimes.
1: Yeah. We found, um, whenever we cleaned out the Escape a while back, we found one that I made from, like, when we first started dating. Which was, like, pre-Spotify, which is embarrassing. <laughs> it was Pand- Pandora was a thing, but it was, like, before Spotify, like, everybody had, like, God. a Spotify or an Apple Music account. Yeah. Uh, back whenever we all had like, the, the radio, like, the the uh, Pandora radio playlist or whatever, you'd, like, find a song you liked and it play based on that. And most of the time you'd never hear the song that it was based on. Yeah. So, oh. um... I had like a embarrassing. I'm not even gonna talk about the tracklist, but an embarrassing, uh, like new honeymoon phase uh, CD. Classic, classic. Yeah. I will say one of them was Treasure by Bruno Mars. <laughs> so cringy. But yeah, um, they definitely do hit different. I like I like the physical feeling of a DVD though, because I'm, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a texture person. Both like. Like the, the the act of like putting it like the okay do you remember of course you remember VHS's? remember like putting them in <laughs> the thing and it like it like pulled away from the you like know? clicking
0: and the sliding and, and like the click. the sounds and, and the yeah, yeah. And like flipping the up the
1: front thing and like looking in there and mm-hmm. trying to see what it was doing trying to understand the science behind it mm-hmm. and hearing like the magnets like grab the grab the film and uh, what I liked I liked putting it in the the do you, we had a separate rewinder You put the tape yeah, in we there and rewind too. it really quick and i was like all about like i, I, I was like i want to do it i want to do it and put it in there and then hit the thing and like sit there and like put my ear up to it and listen and you could just hear all the wearing and like or worrying i don't know and like all of the like buzzing and it was just we had family friends that had like a huge walk-in
0: closet that was filled with like vhs tapes that they had recorded movies off of Mm -hmm. tv on and they were all like at least six hours long each you know like all those things so we would use the rewinder to like get to and from movies in there because it wasn't good to use the vcr itself to do that for long periods of time apparently i don't know where that information came from or why that was a thing but that was that was why we had like the rewinder thing but yeah that and you you had to rewind it to your rental tapes, so yeah. You did not want it to interrupt anything else you might need to do because you can't watch something else while you're rewinding a tape,
1: right? So. And, and the, the VCR ones actually took forever. That was, I think that's why we got hours because my dad, but uh, we would do Friday night uh rentals at a blockbuster esque mom and pop store um in our hometown, and we would like they would charge you if you didn't rewind yep. them, um, and he was not about to pay fifty cents for a rewind fee. He would just buy the twenty nine ninety nine uh rewinder and for something like sixty movies. Yeah. So um but yeah, I I just like the I like the tactile sensations, that's why I'm I'm very into like also I like to collect stuff. Like people come over, they like randomly see something on my shelf and they're like, Oh my god, you have Hello Dolly on Blu ray I'm like, Fuck yeah I do And it's the, it's the good, it's the good, like clean version, like the really like remastered and beautifully restored version where it's not like really grainy. It's like, it looks like it was filmed in like the early 2000s. It's just, that's oh. my gig. Yeah.
0: yeah. I so think I it also helps stuff. make movies like an event again as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like so many times I end up just putting something on because I'm flipping through Netflix endlessly and then I'm just like, okay, fine, I'm just putting this on or whatever. Yeah. And like choosing to sit down and watch a movie... And, like, be like, I'm blocking out the next two hours to do this on purpose is, like, very different. And I think that the, the like, the act of switching over to the DVD player and having to, like, actually put something in and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, like, you have to commit to it because then you have to get off the couch to turn it off. Right. So, yeah, and it's also, it's weird because, like, we have um, this super streamlined way of watching just about anything that you could want and a constant new rotation of movies and the options are so overwhelming that I'll sit there and I'll look for something for hours and then before you know it, it's time for bed, and I'm like, well, <laughs> I guess I'll just rewatch an episode of Gravity Falls or something. Um, especially with horror movies, because I like go through and I'm like, that looks like shit. That looks like shit. I've seen that 12 times. I'm not in the mood for this. That looks like shit. And then if I come back here, I've got horror movies lined up and I can just see one, and I can be like, oh, I'm gonna watch, I'm gonna watch the original Texas Chainsaw. And just grab it, put it in, and then if I get bored halfway through or something, I need to commit to it because I've already gotten, like, I've already, I've already loaded the disc, I've already put it in, taken it out of its case, went through the media. Got menus. it all excited. Yeah. Can't just let so. it down like that. But I just like physical media. I wish that that was the thing that came back. <laughs> in a post-pandemic world. Yeah. Physical media returns. Well, now that the um, Planet of the Tapes, like, where like, I'm fully vaccinated, and I fully intend to, like, drag people to go there. Because apparently you can watch the movies there. Like, you can rent a movie and watch it and, like on, like, screens there. Yeah. I'm going to be so into that. I'm going to spend way too much time renting out movies that I have at home so I can watch them in public in a loud space, but I drag my friends there to watch it. I'm like, oh my God, you haven't seen this. Super obscure film. How have you not seen it? Well, you're going to see it today. And then make them watch, like, some old, old, old black and white horror film. Like, The, the House That Screamed or whatever it was called. Haven't seen it in a while, but it was on shadow for a while. And I was like, oh my god, this is everything. It's fucking gay as shit, too. But, um, anyway, I got way off topic. So, <laughs> Girls Will Be Girls uh, is directed by Richard Day. I don't know if I already said that. Made in 2003. Um, and had a DVD release in 2005, and there was a sequel filmed but not released, and we'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, so, Girls Will Be Girls opens with one of the most exciting and on-brand title songs, sung by Coco Peru, Jack Plotnick, and one of my personal drag idols, Varla Jean Merman. Varla Jean. Love her. Um, Share every every song that she's ever released is like brunch ready, like it's a, she's a very brunch like a very brunch girl. There's something just so like classic drag
0: about Marla Jean, Very. like, and I think even like her, her like transformation from her boy looks to like yeah. being in drag is like so so massive. Like it is, yeah. Like, she's hot. She's like a like a muscle bear, yeah. like, and like you would like if you looked at her not you know in Provincetown ready to do her show, like you would never guess that she was a drag queen, which like is what it is like i mean i don't want to necessarily praise somebody based on those kinds of things that's kind yeah, of weird I that. but like like I, if that's not her goal or whatever but like it's so it's so almost jarring how completely different she looks in drag and she really like she knows how to work with her proportions and how to like yeah she really does like she just looks like until you stand her next to somebody else you're just like that is a petite woman mm-hmm. from the 1950s. Exactly. And then you stand her next to Coco Peru and you're like, that is not a petite woman. No.
1: And Coco Peru, I think is relative. Like not, not short, right? No, she's about my height. Yeah. So I'm thinking Barla's is probably like six, four, something like that. And then in heels, like massive, giantess, so. giantess, still delicate, but giantess. Yes. I like that though. Like the, the transformation, um, I like seeing, like a, like, a really big transformation. I think it's really cool. And it yeah. shows, like, a certain, like, an artistry. Um, because, like, me in and out of drag, I don't feel like I look that like that incredibly different. But some people will literally take, like, I'm not saying that she has a brick face. Like, as a boy, but <laughs> she doesn't. She's very, like I said, she's right. very handsome. Um, but having, like, a, a more, um, like, a stronger face, I think. Is what I'm trying to say. A stronger face and then to make it like turn around and like make it into this like big character Yeah, is just really cool. And it's, I like appreciate the artistry of it. Um, but yeah, so the, uh, the movie opens up with this like brilliant like opening song that was uh, recorded specifically for the film. Um, Jack Plotnick, uh, who you all may know as the mortal man that Faith kills um, on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV series. Um, that like starts her trajectory into being a bad bitch uh, plays Evie, an alcoholic and horny self-involved aging actress who lives in an outdated condo with Coco Peru played by drag legend Coco Peru uh, a spinster um, she would be a cat lady if she had cats Like right. that's how I would describe her character <laughs> um, she's also in love with a uh, man that performed abortions on her years prior consensually consensually, yes that part anyway yeah, at, at the beginning, yeah. Um, and she's also Evie's punching bag. Uh, so they need a new roommate. I'm assuming that their financial situation is like all but completely dry, but the film's not really about plot, so they don't really explain why there's a new roommate, roommate <laughs> coming, uh, which is fine. You know, I'm, I'm willing to go with the fantasy. It's drag. Um, so they get a new roommate to, to come, and they're going to run out of room. And it ends up being... Uh, Varla Simmons, and Varla Simmons, uh, much to Evie's um, dismay, I guess, is the daughter of Marla Simmons, her one, her one, of, once upon a time, like arch nemesis, um, who shot herself in her pool, um, years prior. So they had both been up for the same role, and now her daughter's there, and she's young and and hot, and doe-eyed, and she's, like, gonna take Hollywood by storm, or whatever, and that just eats away at Evie. So that's the that's essentially the plot, really, um, is there's three aging actresses, one who's not really focused on acting, which is Coco, she wants a family, um, or she appears to want a family, and then Evie, who desperately wants to hold on to her star power, which we learn later wasn't even impressive, and then Barla Jean Simmons, who is like the ingenue
0: on the rise,
1: on the rise, and the uh, I guess like if you had to pick like um like a driving like every movie has to have like a conflict. I guess the conflict is these three women exist at the same time
0: in the same house, in the same house, yeah. So that's
1: the um. I feel like that's the I feel like that's the summary of the film, um. At one point, uh, Marla becomes a prostitute, um, for a man claiming to be a big shot in Hollywood. A classic tale. A classic tale of love and romance. Only to find out later that he, uh, surprisingly was not what he said he was.
0: Oh, no, it was just a regular pimp, apparently. Just a regular
1: pimp. And tragically, uh, runs off and she's, she's not going to get anything out of him. Um, but she does. that, she does fall in love with Evie's son, with the um, the ambulance chasing uh, micro penis man. <laughs> Which I don't know. If that, I don't even know if that's problematic at the time. I don't I, think it was at the time. Today, I'm kind of like,
0: eh. I was trying to like. I was like, obviously, we're gonna talk about the micro penis. Oh, we can't not talk about that. <laughs> but I couldn't figure
1: out like. If it was offensive or not, like like what, I can't figure it out either. Because I'm like, on one hand, I'm like it it's it's body shaming, but like everything in this, there are so many problematic. Uh, I'll preface by saying I love this movie, like deeply and dearly, um, deeply and dearly love this movie. It's probably I think it is my favorite drag queen movie of all time. I would say it's pretty close for me for yeah. sure. Um, One featuring actual drag queens, at least. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, much better than Too Long. Um, but, like most things that were made prior to 2015, <laughs> it's not without its problems. Um, and it's also made by queer people, which, for whatever reason, we just seem to like make a lot of problematic shit back in the day. Have you noticed that with oh, like yeah. queer media? like Definitely. Ticked off t um love the movie love it not without its problems um and uh birdcage not didn't really i don't think it had any gay people in it nathan lane oh duh (laughs) never mind okay well i had one gay person in it um but just the story is kind of i don't know that it's really deeply problematic but i mean it had its moment i mean it was a 90s movie wasn't it 90s or... Yeah, like, late 90s. Yeah, late 90s. So, I mean, it had, like, its its little things here and there that... But, I mean, it's also, like, nitpicky because I think of, like, today whenever I try to watch movies from anything before, like, 2014, 2015, I have to, like, brace myself because I know (laughs) something. I know somebody or something is gonna happen. Like, somebody's gonna say something or something's gonna happen that's gonna make me go... (sighs) Yeah,
0: You're just gonna be like, oh wow, oh,
1: oh wow. wow, you said that, wow, Ooh. with conviction. Yikes! So, and this movie had a couple of those, like the whole rape storyline. Um, that was excessively cringy. It's not really graphic or anything, is it? I think they kind of like it's, flashback to yeah. it a little bit. It's like,
0: yeah, it's like more of like a flashback where it's like it's obvious what's happening, yeah. but
1: it's like frame and then right. pause frame. Yeah, she
0: like is like having like remembrances as yeah. she's
1: like sitting down and. Yeah, and to file she wakes off up her and, toe. yeah And she wakes up in a in a sweat after dreaming that a her aborted baby comes back to like tear her up and then she tries to remove her toe which apparently um, after watching the uh, commentary she was actually sawing at her toe the dedication, the dedication the the, the method acting yeah good, good for Coco Peru I didn't know that she had a actual leg like an actual problem with her leg like her foot. But apparently, she talks about it in a one, one, one woman show. I don't Which... know if I'll ever be able to see it, because huh. um, it's just not accessible to me here in Louisville. But apparently, she has like a uh, I don't I don't know what to call it. Like it it's it's like a floppy foot. Huh. Like you can see it in some of the frames as she's walking away, and her her foot just kind of like like dangles a bit as she walks. Like it, it seems like she doesn't have like full control over like the muscles there. Um, so I think that maybe she did it to that toe. Maybe she can't feel it. I don't know. I would like to ask her, <laughs> Coco Peru, if you listen to this, um, please write in. She just had to answer that question about her not fake
0: leg for Monet and Bob's podcast. That's true. Yeah, yeah.
1: and I had and they were like, uh, no, it's not fake, and I'm like, but there's something. But there's some there is something though, and apparently she's she's not going to tell anybody. She's not going to tell me if she's not going to tell Bob and Monet, she's not going to tell me. Uh, what's going on I'm just gonna be like you can buy tickets to my one woman show and that's, I'll be like you know what yeah. I respect your hustle. yeah that's fair
0: yeah. I've actually gotten to see her do a one woman show I don't know if I don't remember there being anything about her liking it but uh, she did like a charity show in Nashville that I got to go to and it Jealous. was delightful she is just a delight it was like her whole little like cabaret act she sang songs and stuff like that and, like she looks exactly like Coco Peru like
1: yeah but she has the, She's one of the only people that I can that I can not read for wearing the same wig over and over again. She's made it work. She is timeless. She's a timeless treasure. And she's been doing it for fuck for like way before, like way before the Bush era, right? So she's I mean, she was committed. Uh, she was in briefly in the
0: wig sock documentary from like yeah. the very early nineties. I think it was filmed in like ninety three. So she was active enough then to be like main stage. So she's been around for a bit. I mean, like with all of those girls, like, I think it's, what's funny is that like, like Varla Jean Merman is definitely that now. I don't know how much of that she was then, Then yeah. though. Yeah. But like, now she's just like that
1: classic drag Provincetown cabaret act girl. And Coco was in Too On Food, too, in the beginning, I think. Yeah,
0: she's in the, uh, Miss
1: the the pageant the pageant whatever it was called I can't remember yeah
0: yeah there's a few drag legends in that
1: yeah I tried to go through and recognize them because usually I'm like a drag encyclopedia but there were there were some people that I didn't recognize Joey Arias is in it is
0: one of the finalists she has the um like kind of almost like I Dream of Genie hair I think oh yeah 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 she was another wig stock girl another
1: classic drag cabaret girl yeah and that movie was made in the early 90s i think like 95 96 um i think pretty sure that's right that sounds right yeah so i would it would it would have been interesting to see um some of the girls that like we grew up knowing like whenever like um i always say like post bush eras whenever drag kind of like got to live again like breathe um because like that whole that whole time was just kind of it seemed like, I as far as I'm aware, there was no drag content really made in that in that time, except for. No, no, TikTok T Stars came out in 2010. So that was, yeah. There was like, I mean, like you had like the what was it, the Star
0: Booty movies that RuPaul did, and oh, that's right. I tried like... to forget everything RuPaul does.
1: <laughs> that's fair.
0: And Just yeah. a few of those things were like there. There was stuff here and there, but like that that really wide release didn't really happen until, like early 2000s, where you, like, started to see those kind of artists getting, like, national acclaim of any sort. Because even, like, like, even the, like, Tuong Fu and even um, Priscilla Queen of the Desert were, like, early 90s movies. Like, they didn't feature any
1: gay people. Yeah. <laughs> like. Which is a shame, too, because I love Priscilla. I just wish that it, I wish that it was, um, Australia has such a wealth of, like, really talented Queer people in general. like They make great content, especially the queens. Like, I say especially the queens. I'm most uh, exposed to the the queens in Australia. But, like, they've got, like, great queer podcasters there. Um, So there's got to be, like, a... And they also, like, have, like... They started the the best Pride event in the world. Right. In my opinion. um, With their, their Mardi Gras. So I'm just... I can't imagine, like, somebody trying to cast something... Australian based and queer and only selecting straight cisgender men I think I think it was just the names honestly like like they did have, they did have I mean names. like Guy Pierce
0: and Hugo Weaving are definitely like big stars now Terrence Stamp has been a big star yeah. but like it was I mean obviously not the movie that we came here to talk about but it was woefully miscast for the way that it like portrayed particularly Terrence Stamp's character mm-hmm. The idea of that, like she is this like former showgirl who is like moved on to like her her, like adult chapter of her life where she's trying to be like, you know, a woman living her life, and like somehow she looks like Terrence Stamp, and like, they just put a wig. Yeah, Yeah. and it's like that that wouldn't be that woman's experience. I mean, like granted, like there are any different number of ways for a trans woman in her 40s and 50s to present, obviously, but like they would talk about her like she was like have been on this journey for so long or whatever. And then it would just be like Terrence stamp in a wig, which is just weird.
1: And that's, that's another thing that like, that's, those are the issues that I take away from the, the movie. I think I, what I like about, about, uh, Priscilla is the, the, the jovial, like campiness of it at yes. times. I really enjoy it. Like, it's just, it's, it feels like a happy film. Um, But I think it's mostly the way that they treat the—I believe the only trans character, if I recall correctly—I
0: believe Um, so—and
1: the rest I think are just like gay men um, or the characters are gay men. Um, Like that's my takeaway from it is like this is this would be better if they had actually just put a trans woman on the the, the movie, right? Or at least a drag queen, like an actual drag queen. And that was something too that we just talked about uh, when Dolly and I talked about ticked off um, was like even though we wish that the movie had casted more trans women portraying trans women because in the in the movie um, to our to the audience's knowledge every every queen there was also a transgender woman so like a transgender woman and a queen going to the bar, doing their gig or whatever, going home they wash it off but they're still a woman and it was mostly uh, cisgender Gay men portraying trans women who are also drag queens, but like at the same time, at least it was queer people, right? So I don't know, but that's that's um that's something that this movie I think I I and that's why I'm I'm kind of glad that you're here because I feel like you're uh, probably a little bit more able to sound off on this. This is a movie that has men who identify as men. Like Jack Plotnick, uh, Coco Peru, and Varla are all cisgender men at the end of the day. Like, they take off, they're fine, um, portraying women, but they're not portraying trans women. Right. So, I feel like it avoids that ticked off T Slayers with knives issue because it's like the joke is that they're all drag queens. Right. That's a part of the inherent funniness of it. Um, I think that does make a huge difference overall. Yeah. Um,
0: and it make I mean, like, it adds a layer of humor to it that, like, I don't know, like, I'm trying to think of how to phrase that, like, I got nothing, it's gone. Um, <laughs> like, that, uh, like, that, 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 that adds to the, like, satire of it, where yeah. it's, like, you know, like, drag is already often... Or particularly drag from cis gay men is already, like, this kind of detached commentary on mainstream fem- femininity in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And so, like, to have them all portraying these, like, big female characters in a movie. Like, like if this movie was just cast with cis women playing these characters, it wouldn't be funny.
1: No. I'm it not. would
0: just be a bad
1: movie. It would literally be um, Valley of the Dolls. Yeah. And then if you you know, you switch that
0: out and you have these over the top campy drag queen characters mm-hmm. playing them. Like then it becomes this whole, other, like it, it becomes more nuanced. Yeah.
1: And that that's, that's where it, it becomes enjoyable. I think. Cause if like you, like you said, if it was straight women playing like cisgender, straight women playing, or just cis women in general, um, it wouldn't be entertaining. And the joke that's funny here is that it's drag queens, or I guess I should say like to an audience, like, a like a straight audience's perspective, men in wigs. Um, but the men in wigs are not necessarily mocking womanhood, except for maybe the abortion part, um, which is dramatic. <laughs> um, but for the most part, it's, it's all a joke and it's played for laughs with these queer, char- these queer people portraying these characters. And on top of that, you've got the, um, the storyline so over the top and ridiculous like every line and every situation is is literally it's camp right i I don't know how to make it i don't know how to give like a camp is the adjective of the day honestly i think this movie is
0: a really great encapsulation of comedic camp um particularly from a drag perspective um i think that like one of the things that the movie does really well and what really works for it on these like nuanced layers is that there are several plot points where like, even, like, when you're talking about, like, the like the abortion plot point, like, mm-hmm. the, the joke there isn't, like, on the surface is that, like, oh, she got an abortion, and then she fell in love with the abortion doctor, so she got knocked up again so she could go have another abortion and see right. him. But, like, the other joke that kind of, like, runs underneath that one is that people literally think that if abortions are available to women, they're just gonna have abortions all the time. And not think about the consequences of them having sex, and they're just going to like yeah, be going back to the, the abortion
1: doctor all the time. It's what conservatives think women are going to do. Right. And now a man in a wig is literally mocking that That life. You
0: see just exactly how ridiculous yeah. that assumption is, because it takes Clinton loop in a
1: wig. Yeah. Apparently the um, uh, audience, like the original uh, scene was very like very like abrupt in it's ending like with the abortions um and people were pissed off about it Hmm. so they added in that part where whenever Coco's in the mirror um and she's like and she says something to the effect of and uh I'll never I'll never forgive myself for it or something like that and it like allows the audience to kind of breathe for a second oh okay well at least they acknowledge that they're you know a terrible person for having this right. or whatever. <laughs> but even still, they're not making it out to be that abortions are bad. It's that she feels bad for having the abortion. I feel like this, I feel like this movie is a lot less problematic than I, I was really afraid to, to talk about this. Cause I was like, Oh my God, they talk about abortion. And <laughs> it's, it's men in wigs talk, telling female stories. And I was like, you know what? I feel like everything in here was very purposeful. Yeah,
0: it's very, like, intentionally satirical, I think, yeah. and, like, maybe a little heavy-handed at times. But... Oh, yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs> but it's it's drag queens doing it, so of course it's going to be heavy-handed. Right. We're not subtle, we're not known for subtlety. <laughs> was this one of your first experiences
0: with, like, any of these actresses, or had you, were you familiar with them before you saw this? I
1: was familiar with Varla, um, and I was familiar with Jack Plotnick but didn't like Jack isn't necessarily a drag queen. They're, right. Yeah but they I was familiar with them from Buffy um, mostly Buffy like I had I, I saw their face and I was like that person looks familiar and you this is somebody who's not Buffy. even in Buffy for very long but I watched I rewatched it really. I feel times. like if I were to watch it now I would be like oh hey that's Jack Plotnick but. Yeah you know yeah. if you watched it, it's, it's season 3 episode 13 I think when maybe it's earlier. It's been a while. I mean, me and Michael haven't rewatched it because of all the Joss Whedon stuff, so it's just hard for us to enjoy. Okay. It. But yeah, whenever you see like the life leave the leave us leave their eyes, you're gonna be like, Oh. And you're gonna be thinking of like you're gonna be thinking of, of Evie's like eye getting stuck and like it adds a new layer to it. But um, mostly it was Varla and I think it was my drag mom who made me want to watch this. It was like you need to see this movie, you'd love it. Um, and I was, was at the time where I was like obsessed with drag like I hadn't even started performing and I was just I was just absorbing every right, clear like you do yeah I was freshly freshly out uh, living in Louisville and I was like oh fuck I'm gay let me make this my entire personality <laughs> um so I absorbed every bit of media I could and I uh, I feel like it was streaming at some point or maybe somebody had a copy of it already but I ended up getting mine on Amazon like you did so I was like I need to own this yeah. um but I re- I hadn't watched it for years, and revisiting it for uh, I showed it at Really Queer back in I want to say February of twenty twenty yeah it was Valentine's Day, twenty twenty before the pandemic. It was the last movie that I got to show before we shut down. Um, I did a double feature with this and Adam and Steve. Another classic. Another classic. You know? Very stupid classic, but I like <laughs> it. Um, but it was it like those those two were the first like, queer, movies that I had seen because I saw this before I saw Ticked Off okay. um, and I saw this before I saw Birdcage and I mean all these movies were out whenever I was a kid but my parents were going to let me watch them so we're right. um, being exposed to them to not even know that they existed so um, I saw these two before I saw a lot of the like main mainstream I saw before Priscilla Tu Wong Fu um, so I was en- I was enamored and then I I started like learning about Coco Peru and finding her YouTube and they just steamrolled until I until I was like, I'm going to do camp. <laughs> so. It's all downhill from there. Yeah. What well, was th-
0: yours? I think actually that this was probably... This wasn't my first experience with Coco. I remember seeing Coco in the movie Trick. Uh, that's the one where she... familiar. It's the one where she is talking to uh, Christian Campbell in the bathroom at the gay club about the guy that he's there with. And she's like... Telling about how she, like, blew him once and then he, like, came in her eye and left. And oh she was God. like, have you ever gotten cum in your eye? It burns. And, like, that was her, like, famous line from that. And I remember seeing that in the preview for it when it would be on the, like, uh the pay-per-view channel, preview channel on the cable package that
1: we had. Yeah, like the dish, like the dish. Yeah.
0: So I would watch that like endlessly when it was on there. Cause I wanted to see it so bad. And then like years later, I think I had like a free HBO or Showtime or something like that. And I saw that like, this would have been like 2003 or 2004. And then I rented girls will be girls from a blockbuster video because I would literally just go oh, through it. They, and got, they for, had it. Yeah. Yeah. They wow. just, they had like, I don't know what it was about that particular blockbuster, but they, it was like, they had one copy of it, but like it was in their new releases and they always had like a random selection of gay stuff and i would just like i would just go through and rent everything that looked even slightly gay like work so and that was what i did in 2004 2005 i guess it was probably 2005 yeah. if it was on dvd so um that was the first time i encountered varla and then like i was really disappointed to learn that jack plotnick was an actor and not mm-hmm. like a drag character that i could also try to find information about because i thought that he was excessively funny yeah oh absolutely and the other thing that i know him from i had to look it up which is i was just curious what else he had been in mm-hmm. and what else i had seen is that he did the voice of xander p wifflebottom on drawn yeah. together which was another
1: problematic AI icon from my youth yeah. <laughs> I, I tried to revisit that it's on uh paramount plus i think Ooh. and it is it, it is rough it is rough it is rough. I don't find myself laughing at it, and I'm it's a, it's, it's almost a shame because it used to bring me so much joy. It really did. It's really weird, like, it, especially doing this back to back after Ticked Off, because I'm hitting a lot of the same notes. So sorry, guys. <laughs> like, it's hard to like enjoy things that were instrumental in my, my like, youth and my early queer like, as I built my identity or whatever, movies that I bonded with people over. And talked about at bars and in living room floors and shit and now i watch them and i'm like yeah. wow there's a lot of transphobia in this one or oh wow there's a lot of like self self-hating gay people in this one or you know uh anti-femme or racism or you know whatever like a lot of the things that i, I didn't identify as problematic then and, like i watch them now because we are all like most of us at least i right? all of us should have like evolved some since 2010 um <laughs> at least since drawing together got canceled at least so like rewatching stuff and i, I just it, it's hard to like enjoy it so whenever i can find a diamond like this one that i can rewatch, and i'm like the, if the worst thing about this is like um like a, a problematic abortion thing i'm like i can i can forgive 2003 which was almost 20 years ago yeah i can i can forgive that feels fair yeah
0: i always joke with like younger gay people when they talk about some of the things that like are like these like older movies and tv shows and musicians and things like that, that they're problematic i'm always like when i was your age we had will and grace and madonna and we were thankful for it yeah and like i recently rewatched will and grace like the original run of it and like it it's fine It's not great.
1: It's not great. But I also
0: also realized that at that time I was just like absorbing anything like vaguely gay I could get Mm -hmm. my hands on because there was so, I was living in rural Illinois at, you know, the turn of the century as like, you know, like we barely had internet. We barely had cable. I was working at McDonald's. Like it wasn't a great time. So like when I caught glimpses of like queerness on TV, I just latched onto it, whatever it was. And it like, it is really disappointing to like look back now and realize like, how many problematic behaviors I probably even just learned from passively from watching those things. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we always benefit from hindsight in this way, particularly like now, now we live in a time where, you know, queer creators and creators of color are getting an opportunity to tell their stories in ways that affirm them and other people that like, we've not really gotten to experience before. And so like, in that way, it's really exciting that like, you know, like this next generation of, queer kids are not gonna have to look back on these
1: formative things for them and yeah. be like yikes like. yikes, <laughs> yikes on bikes that's something that I'm, that I'm really excited about like shows like Pose and Legendary I'm, I'm like this is the stuff that growing up I would have I would have been sitting on at my little Spongebob TV watching <laughs> this glued to it yep, and seeing myself in it and, it, and, and be able to look back hopefully look back you know 10-20 years later and be like this is really this has aged well. Meanwhile, most of the stuff that we grew up with, like Will and Grace, like Will and Grace was not without its problems either. But they're also like that's that's one of the reasons why I want to talk about these older pieces of like queer history um, in film because they were instrumental in our right. in our upbringing and um, shows like Will and Grace changed the changed people's minds about gay people. Like we weren't just monsters. We weren't like HIV riddled child predators they they saw us as that human would be the republicans yeah <laughs> like the, that's what the people like that's how people like my mom even like whenever i came out she was so horrified that i was going to have like that i was going to contract hiv yeah and um you know the sin and all that like so like shows like will and grace changed the minds of the people around her and thanks to shows like that and the exposure that it um i think they call it like uh um, exposure therapy. Yeah. Like, Where you get like a little bit of... A little bit of like a... a the thing that bothers palatable, you. palatable... <laughs> a palatable gay man. But that's funny. Like Jack from Will and Grace allowed for uh, the people around my mom to slowly come to terms and she slowly came to terms with it. And then she could... Then she could absorb that media without you know being sick to her stomach. And before you know <laughs> it, I'm no longer the grossest thing right. that exists. So... I have to, like, that's why I like to talk about these things, because it's it's important, and one day, these things might not be available anymore. That's fair. Like, I can't imagine that they're producing a lot of copies of Girls Will Be Girls, so... <laughs> so and they don't seem to be in a rush to sell it off to a streaming service, so... No, and it's so wild to me, too, because I think it would perform well, because it's got viral sensation Coco Peru. Honestly. Um, it's gay and queer and funny and not horribly problematic so I feel like it would perform well and they um they even created an entire sequel they filmed the sequel like it's done they filmed it that's crazy but it's not done and they did this in uh, 2012 it was going to be called Girls Will Be Girls 2012 it's a terrible title um (laughs) but it's been in it's been in limbo for so long that Coco is now calling it uh, girls will be golden girls because by the time it comes out, they're all going to be old or dead. <laughs> um, but it was it was filmed in like the I believe the summer of two thousand and eleven for a release in twenty twelve, um, and it was fully funded by a Kickstarter campaign. Oh wow! Um, and they had like a this is showing the age of the film too. Um, they had a Tumblr page as like the the website to like document. As it was like what was happening, as it was happening, like you do in two thousand and eleven, right? Uh, but it was delayed by editing issues uh, by uh, Richard Day, um, and he had an illness of some kind. Uh, I couldn't really find much out about it. Huh. Um, but the uh, the quote from um, Coco Peru that I read, she basically alluded that. Uh, it was a HuffPost article in two thousand and sixteen, which is the last uh, I've seen any mention of the sequel. Um, she said basically, like he's a great he's a great guy and a uh, visionary, but he exists on his own plane and his own time. Like time means nothing to him. <laughs> so, I'm guessing maybe to her he's not in a rush to to do anything, and maybe he doesn't realize that this movie is long overdue
0: like rapidly
1: losing the window for it's been 10 years yeah since it was filmed this year and then oh, next yeah. year will be 10 years since it should be its 10 year anniversary so and it's been almost i mean we're coming fast on 20 years since the first one so yeah and i, I mean it's 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 one of, i kind of like i i wish i had clout i'd be like <laughs> listen send me the send me put it all on a zip drive right Send it to me. I will make it I will make it work. Like I have, Richard
0: Day doesn't have iMovie on his computer. Girl. Like.
1: Well apparently some of the some of the, the rumor stuff that I saw on Reddit was that he had trouble with the blue screen. Like he didn't know how to use the green screen. But he used the blue screen in the first film. I don't know how much of the movie was filmed with a with a blue screen. But maybe he was overwhelmed by the amount of blue screen. Maybe. And just didn't know how to, like, produce his backgrounds or whatever. And do them properly. And, I mean, it was a, it was a commune. Somebody
0: call up Retoucher Ryan. He can do
1: this for us. Honest. And, like, there are people who would be willing to do it. You had a Kickstarter campaign that was fully funded. The film was fully funded by people who wanted to see this damn movie. I'm sure one of them has iMovie. (laughs) One of them. And a couple of them probably actually know a thing or two about editing. Right. Like, I can throw
0: in and get a free, like a, like a, what do we call it? The preview copy of Final Cut Pro and mm-hmm. you don't even need all that. I'm pretty sure Windows Movie Maker will do blue screen or green screen or whatever. Like,
1: yeah, I have HitFilm Express, the free one and the, the crappy shit I do for a really queer movie night with it, which is just me like in front of a green screen talking or whatever. I can I can whip something up for them. It might not be the it might not be as good as it could have been if it was with a proper studio. But I mean, at this point, it's been almost ten years. Like,
0: yeah, that really does make me wonder how much of it they did in front of a, I bet they just did a bunch of it in front of the green screen.
1: More than likely, thinking
0: thing. that it would be the cheaper option. Yeah. Than building sets. I will say that the sets for this movie were so over the top that it, it just I mean like you know like people always say like you know like whenever they talk about a show or a movie that's in New York, they're like, it's like New York is the other character or whatever. And it's like that house was 100% another character in this movie. Like the Bicentennial Room. Yeah. Uh,
1: like, that's the director's house. Oh, really? Yeah. He destroyed his house for that film. <laughs> it's um, so bad. But like in the hospital, hospital? and the diner are his bedroom. Oh my God. Yeah. You can see like his, his switches and stuff um, and <laughs> weird places. And... The only part, I think, that the film was, uh, like, of the movie that was filmed outside of his home, was the very end of the movie with the studio, um, where Evie has her one-woman show, Uh, um, and it almost got filmed in the bedroom. I think it was the bedroom.
0: I mean, they could have just put up the blue screens there, for sure.
1: Yeah. I mean... They, I mean, they could have, but they also wanted to have, like, those big, like, far-back shots, which is why some of the, like, diners, like, the diner scene is so cramped. Yeah. Um, and, like, they have so few angles, because if they go too far, you're going to see out uh, his bedroom window. Um, all of the curtains were just pieces of fabric. Like, I, like not hemmed or anything, like, just just pieces of fabric. So, like, this was a, this was a, a production of love and a communal effort. Like, all yeah. of the girls brought their own costumes. Like, there was no pre-planning. There's no like wardrobe person in charge to make sure that they did not All wear, all wear the same color. Um, I did love how many costume changes. Like it was like literally
0: like if the camera left, yeah. One of the characters they were in a different costume the next time you saw them.
1: Yeah, and a lot of it was uh for like Jack because um, Jack didn't have like existing drag right, right. so they borrowed um, stuff from a, a drag painter in Los Angeles who was like a, a like legend and they had like old Bob Mackie. Oh god. Can you imagine never having done drag before and getting to come in and immediately wear Bob Mackie? <laughs> Even if it's kind of tacky like the red thing at the end that she wore for her one woman show, that was Bob Mackie. Oh. I'm like, I would I would wear a garbage bag if Bob Mackie touched it. I was just looking at that thinking that it looked like a really
0: great like Liza recreation and, that. and it was probably just something that Liza also
1: owned. It's very possible. They, she loves the Batwing miniskirt yeah. combination. Jack got to wear something that was uh, pro- possibly previously worn or owned by Mary Tyler Moore. She uh, has
0: diabetes, you know.
1: <laughs> I did not. Um, I didn't know that. They say it in the movie. That... That was, wait. That was one of Evie's jokes. She, she,
0: they're, she's You're talks, right. She talks about working with Mary Tyler Moore. She goes, she has
1: diabetes, you know. That's right, because it's like a one-off line that's like, uh, I think, is it whenever she's going through with the man that she's trying to fuck? I think so. Like, trying to, like, explain how adjacently famous she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Because they're going next to the, the picture wall. I can't believe I didn't catch that. <laughs> dirt. Okay, well, um... Yeah, so she, they get to have, like, all their own costumes. They're all doing their own, pretty much doing their own hair. Um, and Jack had a makeup artist, of course. Because you can't just, like, learn how to do drag for a movie <laughs> that's filming. I think they got to film it in, like, three weeks or something. Like, the whole thing. That sounds about right. Yeah. With multiple set changes and stuff. So, um, apparently they, they didn't argue on set, but a few times they would get mad and, like, walk off because it was such a stressful, like short time that you can do things and it'd be really hot or something wouldn't be ready and they'd have to wait and and whatnot. But it sounded like they all had a good time on set. They ended up doing like a series of YouTube uh, shorts, which I haven't seen yet. Um, But if anybody's interested, girls will be girls Did get to exist and and survive on uh, without the sequel with little, little shorts. I don't know if Jack Popniks on it in, in any of them, but I know Coco is and Barla. Just both of them. Just love them both so much. Like I would love to see them do some stuff with uh, uh, Jinx and Dela.
0: Oh my god, that'd be adorable. That Christmas
1: special. Yeah. It was really, 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 really good. Um, the production values were stunning. And like to find out that it was all of their, just a bunch of like Bendelacrone's friends is so cute to me like they're still working with the same people they worked with pre-drag race yeah, and making this like cute little one like two woman essentially show um, I could totally see Coco and Varla doing that if they had the same I don't know if they have the like, I don't know what the finances are like but I'm assuming drag race girls probably have more access to money than, than maybe they do But probably yeah if they could pull the resources I feel like they could have like really stupidly cute campy Nonsensical, very dry, uh, like Christmas specials and stuff like that. I'd be really into it.
0: I I'd watch it for sure. Yeah, I'd I'd stream it on Paramount Plus.
1: Absolutely. With the the movie's score, I don't. Did you you played the Sims a lot, right? Uh, Early on, yes, like. Like the original Sims. Yeah, I'm fairly certain that the uh, the opening, not the opening title song, but like the opening score, whenever the whenever she's going through and like cleaning up, um, I'm fairly certain that's a Sims track. <laughs> and it'd be the right time for it. Yeah, I, I spent all I spent this morning when I was in here, I was laying on the couch, and I was holding my phone up to the speaker and trying to find out what song was playing. Um at the beginning of the movie, and it was, like, Kindergarten, uh, by... It was, like, Skating Rink by Bronkelstein Hiram uh, from an album called Kids Aloud, Happy Songs and Quirky Sounds for Children. Wow. Uh, and it was... I'm, I'm almost positive that I remember hearing this from the, the Sims. I don't know if you'll remember, but it's one of those, like... it sounds like the music from like the build mode. Yeah. Like you're you're shopping through and finding dressers and beds and stuff. I'm almost positive. I've been trying to find out all morning what like what what movies this has been in. Um and I could only find one and it wasn't Girls Will Be Girls, so I know it's a lot. <laughs> um but it was like Maniac or Manic or something like that, and I was like, Well where's girls will be girls? So if anybody knows if this is from The Sims, let me know because I'm driving myself crazy this morning. I was like, I know this is from The Sims.
0: We need some gay movie slash Sims super fan. Yeah. To
1: do a deep dive. And I'm a I'm a I'm a gay movie super fan, but when it comes to The Sims, I'm not. I don't know. I don't know all of the like. I even went through YouTube looking up like complete soundtrack, and they didn't have titles. For the not. different songs. They had timestamps. It would be like, build mode one, build mode two, build mode three. I mean, that's not what I need. I need song titles. What's this one called? It's like somebody just hasn't
0: hyper-focused on the right thing yet.
1: Yeah, I need somebody to hyper-focus on it and do all the research for me because I've gotten off one of later, yeah, frankly. I think it's time for you to t-
0: cultivate a TikTok following so that you can, like, have... Fans who will go do these things for you, like I think that's the next phase of your life. Do you want
1: to hear something cringy? Ob- obviously, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so, do you remember the other day when V posted something about a hot dog going into a croissant? <laughs> yes. And the person in the video said, uh, "Have you ever? Have you ever uh, had a grizzy like this or something?" when did they start calling them grizzies they being people not born in 92 um i really
0: don't know i mean
1: is, is i was is, horrified is grizzy grizzy's the hot dog i had to ask my co-worker's daughter oh, okay who's was like 15 and she's why like why would you all the time it's a grizzy a hot that's dog just is a what you grizzly. call a hot
0: dog it's a grizzy oh that makes me feel really disconnected
1: and old yeah I felt I seen it and I saw it and I I like I was like a Grizzy what and I don't know if I don't remember if it was on Twitter or Facebook <laughs> or the instagrams but I feel like V laugh reacted and I was like ah, yeah. no not this don't laugh react to me as I turned 29. Tomorrow, oh my god! Happy birthday! Thank you, thank you. This will come out a couple of a couple of weeks after. Um, so you'll be firmly, firmly 20s. in your late twenties. Yeah. yeah, As soon as I get Botox, though, I'm gonna start telling everyone I'm 26 again. Yeah, same. Yeah, I'm gonna get hair plugs. I'm a 23. Nobody can <laughs> stop me. <laughs> gonna get that Jeffrey Star hair surgery. Yeah, I would. I wish I had. I wish I had Jeff. The- Jeffrey Star's money needs to be reallocated. yeah,
0: redistributed to more needy queer people. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I'm a needy queer, so I need to know what his charitable giving looks like. No, T, we should we should start a campaign on Twitter and like make release make the him documents, release, release your <laughs> release your contributions.
0: Do it now, because I mean, Gigi Gorgeous is also worth a lot of money for a queer person, and she has paid for multiple trans people's gender affirming surgeries, oh, including God. Gottmik from. Drag Race, she paid for his top surgery. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's like she put a video up on her YouTube around the same time that Drag Race was released
1: that like talked about it. I didn't know that about Chi Gorgeous yep. Work. I love that she's a little philanthropist. See, I feel like if we, I feel like if we had money, we would just be paying for. Her. You know how many times I go? You know how you go through you go through Twitter and any 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 feed? I see them all the time, and it's like, um, oh wow, this this is a hit tweet. Uh, donate to mine or my friend's uh top surgery, and I want to be like, oh, you're 10k off away from your goal. Here's 10k. Here's oh my 10K. god, that would be. Can you imagine the dream? Honestly, that'd be so fierce.
0: I think I fantasize about that, like being able to give like that. Probably as much as I fantasize about like just having money like that.
1: Like, yeah, when I think about like having money, it's usually because I want to buy a con like a I want to buy like a gayberhood in Louisville move all of my like all of all of the queer people in one area and be like we're <laughs> safe here it's like everybody's rent is taken care of you all yeah. just pursue your passions exactly yeah y'all just focus on y'all just focus on getting better wigs <laughs> <That's> <laughs> which I, I will want. not be paying for no that that's 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 on I either. got your
0: rent you have to buy the wigs yeah
1: like that would be the kind of like that's the kind of rich person I want to be I just want to have enough money to like Randomly pay for people's like top surgeries and bottom surgeries on on Twitter, and you see like the like the homeless like the homeless queer youth and stuff that are like posting, like yeah. help me find a place to stay tonight, and I'm like oh my god I wish I had Trixie Meadell's money right yeah um so Jaja where can they uh, where can the uh, audience where can the audience find you online You can find me at pretty much every social media
0: thing that has an at in front of it. At, at jazzag abortion all one word. It's abortion with the G, like an abortion but with a G at the beginning of it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, pretty much everywhere: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Oh, you don't make I'm TikToks. technically on TikTok. You don't make anything though. I don't make anything. I I posted a video of my dog. I posted a one of those like makeup transformation videos where like you're like oh and with the, uh, the brush oh what's this on the camera
1: and then like uh, you're yeah, in yeah. makeup.
0: And then I posted the video of me eating shit in the parking lot drag show.
1: That was really, really, really good. That I'm gonna put a link to that. So the... much joy, honestly. Like that was one of those those tweets that I was like, "This is the most this is the most ja ja thing that could be posted on Twitter right now." Like when I say that <laughs> my bad. sense of humor is very self deprecating, that's what I mean. <laughs> didn't, it, didn't the caption
0: say like "fat slut goes fat down slut. On the entire parking lot"? <laughs> <laughs> bitch.
1: <laughs> That is the most you thing to post, because, (laughs) like, I feel like you do the same thing that I do, where if something embarrassing or something that could be embarrassing happens to you, you're going to get ahead of the joke before anybody else.
0: Well, there's the moment
1: where I'm like, can I reasonably
0: bury this? And if the answer is no, I'm like, okay, I have to own it then. Yeah.
1: I love that. I love that about you, and I love that you put it on... uh, I remember seeing... I remember, like, the moment I saw it, which is how I know it's really funny, because I can, like, remember... I can remember, like, the, the reaction to seeing Fat Slat goes down on an entire parking lot and then watching the video and then watching it a second time and be like, I'm glad that she... Like, I know she's okay because she's posting this. Right. But, oh my God, if I was there, I don't know if I would have laughed, got out of my car and been like, girl, are you okay? Well, everybody
0: thought I was, like, really hurt because I couldn't get back up and it was just because of the shoes I was in it. But if my knee at too high of an angle yeah. for me to, like, push myself up... So everybody's like, oh no, she's really hurt. And I'm like, no, just stop, stop looking at me for five minutes. Let me recover from this and then we can talk.
1: Did your wig, your wig stay on, didn't it? No, my wig fell oh, off. Oh no! You can't even see it in the video, but it, it like fell off and went flying like oh, back no. behind
0: me. My legs were up in the air. It was a whole if thing. If your
1: wig had stayed on, I would, once you finally got up, I would make sure everybody saw that my wig stayed on after yeah. that. Yeah. It did not. That's 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 unfortunate. <laughs> but I mean, you also ate shit, so it makes sense it would come off. Right. I can't even keep my wigs on whenever I'm standing still. Sometimes, so as <laughs> I like slowly slide back. And start I literally to see had it. the
0: conversation with myself about
1: pinning it in, and I was like, "I'm not really doing anything. I'm just like, you know, no, you're just twirling around, around this around. parking yeah. lot, looking pretty." Where was that? Lamu. Lamu. Okay, it was the Lamu parking lot at the the drive-in. The drive-in brunch. Yeah,
0: thing. our one Christmas drive-in brunch thing from this year.
1: Yeah. <laughs> It was still, I mean, it was, it, it's a good, I might, I might link, do you mind if I link the video? Absolutely. Go okay, right stunning, ahead. because it's, <laughs> it's really fucking funny, um, and if you watch it and you find it as funny as I do, uh, tip her a dollar. And uh, retweet. And retweet. You can, you can tip her on, uh, Venmo at Jujug abortion as well, right? Yep. Yeah, I thought so. So, uh, so yeah, do you have anything else that you want to plug, any events or projects you're working on?
0: Um... Honestly, I can't think of anything specific that's coming up, but there are lots of things on the horizon percolating. You know, we're getting back to a, a point where we're going to start seeing a lot more live events as people are getting vaccinated and venues are able to lift some capacity restrictions. And I am not above saying that I have been in desperate need of attention for the last year and a half. Oh, absolutely. And I'm about to make it
1: everybody's problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad if I think that you're going to get the attention. I hope that everybody's as hungry as I am for uh seeing live drag oh my god Cause like i mean you know i'm not a person who leaves the house ever um except for drag really except for except to do drag to do drag not to see drag to do <laughs> drag and i'm like if i'm not getting paid i'm not putting on a wing and like that's who i became pre-pandemic and now i'm like i'll i'm like i'll 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 do it i'll, yeah. I'll fucking you, do it you got an open stage over there i'll do it i'll do it right now i'll do it <laughs> Bet, Dare how, me! How early
0: do I have to get there for the opening right. stage?
1: <laughs> Sunday.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I said, "Bitch, I'm so hungry. <laughs> I want I just it." Want. So, like, yeah, I'm I'm very excited to see uh, sissy drag again. I got to see the the burlesque show that uh, yeah. um Ethel and Good Girl Corsets Carrie Foster puts on. Oh, right, yeah, the it's one very, that was at Logan good. Street Market. Yeah, I hope they get to do it regularly. That looks super cute. That that the venue's the venue looks amazing adorable. yeah like it's 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 a like you walk in and it, it's like a little flea market um it's super cute so if you're in the louisville area and you see the uh logan street market uh burlesque and variety show uh check it out the tickets were like 25 a piece which i know it sounds steep for a drag show but it's like not just a drag show it's drag burlesque like it's a variety show and it's at a really cute venue and it's uh, a year after a pandemic, so you can afford it. Um, <laughs> hopefully, unless you're a service worker, in which case I'm sorry. Um, I just made that dark again. I On <laughs> a light note, you can find really queer at really queer on Instagram and Twitter, and you can find me Sydney Hampton at the Sydney Hampton on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. All right, bye. Bye.